This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. I use this quite often. The main reason is, is because it's this day, every day, good days, bad days, all kinds of days the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to again tell you why we're on the air. The purpose of Hal Brady Ministries is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a vital, biblical, and relevant way. It is also to offer a word of encouragement. So I'm so pleased you've joined me tonight, and I hope and pray this will be a blessing to you. Our scripture lesson today comes from Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to read beginning at verse 20. Then the Lord said, I do forgive just as you have asked. Nevertheless, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the people who have seen my glory and the signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have tested me these ten times, 
and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give to their ancestors. None of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to, to God. Would you join me for prayer? O oh God, your will be done. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. To God be the glory. It's all in your name. Amen. Not long ago, I read about a man who attended a seminar. And in the process of attending this seminar, the leader asked all the 16 participants to name something that they excelled at. The man said he absolutely hated that question because he didn't know what he did best. And he also thought that was somewhat bragging. But when the time came for him to give his answer, this is what he said. I am best at not quitting. Now that is a strange answer. But when we consider all the obstacles we face in life, the power to persist is a remarkable blessing. Without question, one of my favorite Old Testament characters is Caleb. The reason being is because he had a different spirit. In other words, he, he excelled at not quitting. God said he had a different spirit. And it was that spirit that was so wonderful to behold. Under the direction of God, Moses sent 12 leaders of Israel out to spy out the promised land. What kind of land was it? Was it a fertile land or was it poor? What kind of towns did they have? Were they large towns or small towns, well fortified or unwalled? What kind of people lived there? Were they large or small, few or many? At the end of 40 days, those 12 spies came back and 10 of the 12 said it's absolutely impossible. We cannot take the promised land. He said, the people over there are giants and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. What possible good are grasshoppers against a powerful opposing army? But at that moment, Caleb, one of the two remaining spies, quieted the people and he stood up and said, let's go up at once and occupy it for we're well able to do it. What a wonderful thing to see that different spirit, that different Caleb spirit. As the late Dr. Harry Emerson Fosdick observed, it is not so much what life brings to us in her hands as what we bring to life in our spirits. That's the difference between people. So for a few minutes, let's think of what kind of attitudes or spirits we bring to life in the hope that all of us will have that Caleb spirit, that different spirit. First of all, there's the can't do spirit. The can't do spirit. Too many of us have this spirit and we have it too much of the time. Lucy, in a Peanuts cartoon, said to Charlie Brown something like this. She said, you know, Chuck, life is like a deck chair. Some people put that chair so they can see where they're going. Some people put it so they can see where they've been. Some people put it so they can see where they're going at present. Responded Charlie Brown, deck chairs, I can't even get mine unfolded. A minister said he recalled asking his daughter one day, what's your favorite color? And she replied, Daddy, my favorite color is blue, yellow, green, orange, and black. He said that answer hit him like a terrible force. He said he realized that she did not know that she couldn't have more than one favorite color. So how do we go from a colorful children's world to a staid, uh, rutted, adult kind of sad world? How do we do that? 
there's a sign on one of our highways that says, be careful what rut you choose because you're going to be in it for the next 200 miles. Well, is that what God intended for us? So where does this can't do spirit come from? One word, it comes from fear. It comes from fear. And we can see that again in the children of Israel, especially the first part of that report. Those 10 spies said, there is no way, Jose, we cannot possibly take that promised land. He said, there are giants over there, and we look like grasshoppers. And then they projected their own thoughts into the giants' minds, and so we seem to them what a crippling, paralyzing effect this can't-do spirit had on them, and what a crippling, paralyzing effect this can't-do spirit still has on us today. When our earthly life is over, if we're not careful, we'll come to the ultimate this way. God seeing Mr. Smith lined up at the pearly gates, he said to him, Hello, Mr. Smith, tell me about your life. And Mr. Smith says something like this. He says, Well, you know, I didn't live such a bad life. He said, I didn't hurt anybody. But he noticed that God wasn't too impressed with that. And so he went on and he said, You know, I even left my leftover tomatoes to Ms. McDermott. But then he noticed God wasn't too impressed with that. But then he said he never hurt anybody. But then it was God wanted to ask Mr. Smith some questions. So I asked him this question. He said, Mr. Smith, why did you participate in that unethical business deal at your business? Mr. Smith said, I was afraid I'd lose my job if I didn't. Then God said, why didn't you feed the hungry children and minister to those children? Mr. Smith said, I was afraid my family would go hungry. And then he asked him another question. Why didn't you help your neighbor when it looked like your neighbor's home was falling apart? And Mr. Smith said, I was afraid they would think I was prying. And then God looked at Mr. Smith and he said, his response was this. He said, Mr. Smith, I'm afraid you did not live life with any kind of hope. You lived a fearful life and you were afraid. I appreciate Robert Shuler's words. He said, great people are average people who have a different attitude toward impossible situations. He also said when you're facing a crucial situation, an impossible situation, you have three, four, three choices. You can be frustrated, or he says you can be motivated, or you can be intimidated. Well, the key is how do you become motivated? Undoubtedly, one of the greatest spiritual experiences of all time was what happened to John Wesley when he was out on board a ship crossing the Atlantic Ocean. He said a terrible storm arose. Everybody was afraid. That is, everybody but this little group of German Moravians. They were singing hymns. They kept on singing. They were praying, and they showed no fear whatsoever. John Wesley described the experience like this, and I think this is worth hearing. He said, in the midst of the reading of the Psalms, the sea broke and split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured on between the deck as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible scream broke out among the English, but the German Moravians calmly sang on. I asked one of the, them afterwards, were you afraid to die? And he answered, no, thank God I was not. Wesley said, were your women and children afraid to die? And he said, no, they were not afraid to die. And Wesley suddenly realized he didn't have that kind of faith. He said, I had the sin of fear. I had the sin of fear. What a terrible discovery 
to make that he had the sin of fear. So the point is, fear is not one of the latest things that has come upon us. It's not come about by psychologists and psychiatrists who've just recently brought it about. Fear has been with us a long time. As a matter of fact, Jesus was opposed to fear, and his message was, fear not. What was the message that Mary and Joseph and the angels first heard? Fear not. What was the message that went out from the tomb on resurrection day? Fear not. Now, when I talk about fear not, I'm not talking about those fears that are good and wholesome, and there are fears like that. I am talking about those fears that paralyze us, that keep us from doing constructive things in the kingdom of God, that keep us from reaching out in faith and hope for things that might take place. We're so afraid we don't do anything but just stay inside of ourselves. So, first of all, there is the can't-do spirit. And then secondly, there is the critical of spirit. The critical of spirit. A husband was arguing with his wife, and this is what he said to her. I have many faults, but being wrong is not one of them. Two little boys were arguing about their fathers, and one said, Does your father have a den? The other little boy replied, No, he just growls all over the house. Well, one of my favorite writers was the late Louis Grizard. Louis Grizard told about going to the Soviet Union on a friendship force with that group. And he said one thing he learned, and he wrote this article back to the States. He said one thing he learned was that people in Russia ignore people who complain and whine. They don't have any real use for those people in the hotels and restaurants in Russia. So this is what he wrote, Louis Grizard. One of my first impressions of the Soviet Union is that these people don't pay attention to whiners. I've always been a whiner. I whine in a hotel when the soap is too small. I whine in a restaurant when the soup is too cold. I whine in a 7-Eleven store when they don't have my particular brand of potato chips. I would never make it over there. I don't have the patience to be a Russian. Seriously speaking, far too many people are possessed by a critical of fault-finding spirit. I want you to listen to this spirit again in the scripture lesson. This is what it says in Numbers 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would it be that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would it be that we had died in the wilderness? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? You see the complaining, critical of spirit of the people of Israel. Now, where does this critical, complaining spirit come from? It comes from several undernourished areas of our life. First of all, a sense of inferiority. There was a Methodist minister that said he had preached all over the world. He had, he had pastored many churches, and he had come to find one attitude that was predominant in so many churches. People did not have a high enough opinion of themselves. And because they didn't have a high opinion of themselves, they could have no high opinion of anybody else. So a sense of inferiority causes this critical of spirit. And then a lack of love caused this this spirit of being critical. For instance, you remember the story Jesus told? He told about two brothers. One of them was a prodigal. He wasted his inheritance in a far country. He committed many sins of the flesh. But you remember, he was the one that wound up at the Lord's table. Then there was the elder brother. This one had had so many traits and characteristics that we all would admire. But yet when his brother came home, he refused to go in for the celebration. The father said, this brother of yours, he said, no, this son of yours. 
And remember, Jesus did not have one kind word to say about the elder brother. There was a, a mother and her grown daughter that went shopping. It was a pre-Christmas shopping trip. They were going through the stores, and all of a sudden, this mother started complaining about everything. The prices were too high. Her feet were tired. The clerks were rude. And then in one particular store, she had a terrible bout with a, one of the people in the store who was serving everybody. And this is what she screamed out. She said to her daughter afterwards, she said, did you see the dirty look she gave me? I'm never going in that store again. And her daughter looked at her mother and said, no, mother, she didn't give you a dirty look. You had it when you came in. You had it when you came in. A lack of love in the heart, that is also a critical, critical thing. A lack of love in the heart. And then a limited vision, a limited vision. There was a fellow named Fred Smith who was the one who came up with FedEx. When he came up with that idea of an overnight delivery, he was in a class at Yale University, and he wrote a research paper on FedEx, but the research professor gave him a C, and he said, the only way you'll be able to pull this grade up is if this becomes feasible. Feasible, reasonable, rational. This is the vocabulary of limited vision the category of limited vision. So there is such a thing as a critical of spirit. But then finally, there is this other spirit. There's a possibility willing spirit, the Caleb spirit, the spirit that all of us need to possess. There was a, a young girl named Tara Holland. She dreamed of being Miss America. So in 1994, she entered the Miss Florida pageant. She won the Miss Florida pageant, and she came on to become, excuse me, she came on to become the first runner-up in the Miss Florida pageant. So the next year, she tried it again. She went to the same Miss Florida pageant, and again, she won Miss First Runner-Up. So she didn't quit. She didn't give up her dream. What she did was she moved. She had to have a new environment, she thought, so she moved to Kansas. She entered the Miss Kansas pageant in 1997, and she won Miss Kansas. And a couple of months later, she won Miss America. Tara Holland had this possibility willing spirit, this Caleb spirit, this different spirit. Have you ever heard the name Kenneth Taylor? Kenneth Taylor interpreted the Bible in paragraphs. He did it for his children. So when he started reading these paragraphs to his children, he decided, well, these paragraphs might bless other people as well. So he sent this manuscript to a publisher. The publisher turned it down. He sent it to another publisher. The second publisher turned it down. He said, as long as you write in this paragraph fashion, he said, nobody's going to want this. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to buy it. So Kenneth Taylor submitted this same manuscript to 36 other publishers, and he got 36 turned downs. Well, did he quit? No. He formed his own publishing company, Tyndall House. And because of their efforts today, there are 500 million copies of the living Bible in existence. He could have quit, but he didn't. He kept going. He had the Caleb spirit, the willing spirit, the opportunity spirit. Consequently, 500 million copies of that publication are in print. That's what I'm talking about. We keep on going. We don't give up. We don't stop. Now, contrast the statement of the 10 spies with the statement of Caleb and Joshua, again in Numbers 14, verses 7 through 9. Listen to this, please. 
and Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the Israelites, This land that we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. He said, Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not have a can't-do spirit. And then he said, Do not fear the people of the land. Do not have a critical spirit. But he said, The Lord is with us. So how do we know the Lord is with us? By faith and trust. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The possibility of willing spirit is there for us. I have a friend. His name is Don Underwood. He's pastor of Christ United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas. He said one day, one Sunday at the end of the worship service, he said he opened the door for membership. The commitment hymn had been sung. Three families came up. And he said he asked them the question of church membership. Will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And all of these adults dutifully answered, I will. Then there was a little boy. He had a buzz crew cut. He looked like he was full of mischief, a little five-year-old boy standing with him. And he shouted out for everybody to hear, I'll try. I'll try, he said. The pastor leaned over in laughter. The congregation applauded. And then that minister said, he said, you know, I've been in the ministry over 20 years. And he said, that's the most honest answer I've ever heard to this question. I'll try. I'll try. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what God calls us to do. God calls us to try, to try our best. Oh, for that Caleb spirit, that different spirit. Let us pray. Lord, thank you again for this day and the opportunity of being together. Thank you for your word. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful to that word and help us to live the life of Caleb and Joshua. Help us to trust in you in all things. Do not have a can't-do spirit or a critical eye spirit, but simply have a willing spirit, a willing spirit to try to follow you in every way that you call us. Thank you again for the people who are with me here tonight. Bless them and use them. Bless those who are ill and give them strength. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining me tonight, and I trust that this has been a blessing to you, as you are always a blessing to us. Good night.
snare of the fowler will never capture you, and famine will bring you no fear. Under his wings, your refuge, his faithfulness, your shield, and he will raise you up on eagles' wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you To his angels he's given a command To guard you in all of your ways Upon their hands they will bear you up Lest you dash your foot against a stone Thank you.